Smoking is a threat disorder gone wrong. It is when we freeze, flee, do whatever we can to shut down and get out of that spot because our brain thinks, oh my gosh, we're in an existential threat if we lose this game, miss this shot, whatever. So you just kind of panic or totally numb things out. Welcome to the Growth Equation Podcast. I'm Steve Magnus, joined as always by my good friend, Brad Stolberg. Brad, how is it going? You know, it's going well. Um, I didn't perform as well as I would have hoped today at the gym. As listeners know, we tend to record this after I get home from the gym. I kind of choked, to be honest. You know, I didn't really choke. I actually didn't even go to the gym this morning. But we're talking about choking today. And for a minute, I thought I could pull it off. But I'm just cringing too hard in the camera. So I'm doing great, man. How are you? No choking at the gym. Ah, that's too bad. I want to see. I don't care enough to choke. Don't. don't but, you're going to teach us all. But don't we have to care a lot before we choke? You do have to care. It has to mean something. If you don't want to choke, don't Yeah, care. I don't think it means enough for me to choke. <laughs> So there you go. Before we get into explaining what choking is and how to deal with it, just a reminder that you can support our work in two ways. First, you can buy our books, My Latest Do Hard Things, Brad's Latest, The Practice of Groundedness. Buy it. If you've already bought it and read it, review it on Amazon and Goodreads. That helps us as well. Reviews actually matter. You got to play that game. And then the second thing is check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash the growth equation. You get all sorts of goodies for signing up and you get to be part of our community and have some discussions with us and some other great things. So, you know, join us. And with that, let's dive into choking. Yeah, so I know that you've been thinking about this topic quite a bit, and I want to tee us up with something that happened in the NBA playoffs and um, this past year, I guess this we're still in this year, but in the NBA playoffs. And um, it really made me think about choking. Well, two things happened. The first is the Boston Celtics kind of choked. They lost to the eight-seed Miami Heat. They were down three games to nothing. They historically came back to make it three games to three. At least it would have been historic if they won game seven. They won game six on a last-minute tip. They were going back home. Odds makers made them a a seven-and-a-half-point favorite, and they just didn't show up. Like I think they were down 11 early, and they were down 11 to 20 the whole game, and they ended up getting beat by, I don't know what it was, 24 points at the end. They got blown out at home in game seven. And the story the next morning was that the Celtics choked. Now, what's fascinating is after Miami lost in game six, Jimmy Butler, Miami's star, was interviewed. And Jimmy Butler basically said, you know, they scored more points than us. It's not the end of the world. Life goes on. It's a game. We're going to show up and play our hardest in game seven. I don't know what's going to happen. I can't predict the future, but I'll tell you, everything's going to be all right. And that's a paraphrase, but that's pretty much what he said. We can look up the direct quote later. And everyone said, oh, Jimmy Butler doesn't care. Like, you know, the, the Miami Heat are done. Jimmy Butler's given up. 
And what happened? Jimmy Butler came out and torched the Celtics who choked. So I called Steve up and I'm like, this is really interesting, man. And then Steve did what he did and went on a deep dive about choking. And we're going to talk a little bit about choking today. You know, I love I love that fact or that interview by Jimmy Butler and what actually happened afterwards for a simple reason is because often we misunderstand performance and we misunderstand choking. You know, the biggest or the two biggest contributors to to quote unquote choking or underperformance in sport, make it public, make it personal. If you make it public, all of a sudden it amplifies the feeling, right? We don't choke in private. This is why Brad doesn't choke at the gym when he's lifting unless, you know, maybe a bear comes along to his garage. But the reason is because when things are public, it's all, it's not that it's that our sense of self, our self-worth, our worthiness is on the line. Our ego is on the line. So when, because if we fail in public, it's not just, oh, I lost this game. It's, I am a loser. I am a failure. Okay. So public hurts us. And then that personal side, which I just touched on, is whenever it's deeply intertwined with us and we think that it is, you know, the sole defining thing, I am a failure if I lose a game. Well, what that does is it just, pushes our brain into protection mode. (laughs) And that is what I, you know, the simplest way I can capture choking is choking is a threat disorder gone wrong. It is when we freeze, flee, do whatever we can to shut down and get out of that spot because our brain thinks, oh my gosh, we're in an existential threat. If we lose this game, miss this shot, whatever. So you just kind of panic or totally numb things out. And you can see variations of choking. This is why we kind of piece it all together. But I'll give some examples is, you know, one extreme version is when you see players get like the yips or in gymnastics, the twisties, they lose the ability to do the thing that they know how to do. So it's the, it's the Chuck Knobloch's of the world who, you know, are all-star second baseman who now all of a sudden, after decades of playing, can't toss the ball to first base. You know, it's not that that skill disintegrated. It's that his response to choking, to having the yips, was essentially like freeze, disconnect perception and action. So it almost becomes like you divert to becoming a beginner. The best way I can kind of elucidate this for listeners is the yips are kind of like if you play pin the tail on the donkey you spin around a lot of times and then you try and pin that tail on the donkey on the wall and you're like i'm trying to pin it but your actions aren't aligning because your perception is so freaking messed up the reason that happens in choking is because like our brain is so far down into kind of like survival protect mode that our perception and actions, you know, disalign. So anyways, we get it. That's how choking occurs. The one other thing that I'd add here is I said, make it public and personal is I think if we venture out of sports a minute to a degree, we all have a higher propensity to kind of choke or get stuck 
because everything is public and personal now. And I think this is a societal problem where, you know, a couple episodes ago, we talked about doing the thing and dopamine and like, it's easier to do the appearance of the thing and not actually do the thing. Well, part of that is because like our environment makes it where we kind of want to get stuck or go into protection mode or survival mode or choking mode because like everything is public and personal. So we kind of live in a state where we're primed to choke and, you know, get stuck. So is it as simple as trying not to make things public and personal? Well, I think that that's to a degree, but there's some some sense some instances where that's impossible. You play in the NBA, it's all going to be public, right? So I kind of frame it as I think the personal is more, you know, uh, manipulatable. And this is where that Jimmy Butler quote is great. Like the armchair quarterbacks of the world see that and like, oh man, he should be pissed off and like, you know, yelling or screaming and emotional because they just lost and they've lost three games in a row and they're quote unquote choking. Well, what would happen if you did that? Your brain gets the message, I'm pissed off. So this thing must actually matter a hell of a lot more. And if it matters a hell of a lot, then I'm going to make it more personal and more intertwined. So therefore, I'm more likely to choke. The right. thing the thing in that moment is to do exactly what Jimmy Butler did, which is what? You know, say, hey, this is the reality of it. Like, I'm going to stay even, stay even keel, not make it that personal. I'm going to get back to doing the thing that actually matters, which is like, try to do the work and make the shots. Yeah, there's a lot of psychology research that shows that to the extent that we can, depersonalizing failure is really helpful. And my guess is that this is one of the primary reasons for that. Related to choking, maybe it's actually one and the same, is when you personalize failure, it becomes a part of your identity. Like You become the kind of person that fails. And then suddenly you're looking for opportunities when you might fail, since you're the kind of person that fails. In the moment that you're looking for those opportunities, like you're going to find them. Um, there's a saying in powerlifting. I can't believe I just said that. Wow. Am I a meathead, Steve? Yeah, I think you're a meathead. All right, I'm a meathead. There's a saying in powerlifting, which is if you're at the if you're in the hole, which is the bottom of a squat, and you ask yourself if you're gonna make the squat, you've already missed the squat. And and I think that's like what identifying with failure does is it, it puts you in a position where you're asking, like, am I gonna make it? And once you ask that question, like you haven't made it because you're now thinking about the thing instead of doing the thing. And I think that that's another really interesting part of the conversation on choking is, and you've written about this, I think you wrote about this like a year and a half ago. It's true that when we're thinking about the thing, not doing it, there's a higher propensity that will choke. But everybody just assumes like, oh, you got to be in flow. Like you can't be thinking at all. And yes, when you're in flow, it's great. You're not going to choke when you're in flow, but there's another way to avoid choking and get to a really good performance, which I think you called like grinding your way to it, which is when you are still effortfully doing it, but you're doing it in a way where you're not choking. So did you write about this like a year ago or am I hallucinating like AI and making this all up? Because I think assuming this is true, it's very interesting because I get like overthinking, you're in your head, you're thinking, not doing the thing that is very clearly going to lead to choking 
flow, you're just in the freaking zone. Time and space is melting away. You lose the sense of ego. That's going to lead to crushing it. But is there this middle ground where like, we really effortfully grind our way to performance without choking? Absolutely. I did write about this. You're not chat GPT hallucinating. Um, and there's some wonderful research. Uh, I think it's by Christian Swan and colleagues who did this. Um, but essentially, I, I call it like you flow is kind of like letting it happen. <laughs> and then this other state is like making it happen. And if you're, oh, I'll go here. If you're a runner, you're well aware of this, right? There are some races where you run, where you get in flow and you finish the race and you're like, oh my gosh, that didn't hurt at all. I could have gone faster. Well, no, you couldn't have gone faster. It didn't hurt at all because you were in flow. But there are other races where you equally perform as well, where you win or run a personal best where you're like, holy crap, that hurt so much. I'm lying on the ground, exhausted and puking, but I really kind of grinded my way through it. And those, if you look at the research, are more kind of what we call that kind of grinding it through it, making it happen, or clutch states. And what the research generally shows is that unlike flow where you're not thinking, where you're just kind of in the zone, these clutch states come with there is a fixed goal you're thinking about. There is complete, like, deliberate focus. There is a decision to increase the effort and intensity. And it's almost like you feel the stress, and normally that stress might push you to underperformance. But because of a couple things, first, you appraise things as a challenge and not a threat. So you think you have the capacity to handle the thing, right? And then secondly, you have a sense of control in that situation. So you don't think, oh my gosh, my performance is spiraling, like I'm not in flow state or whatever, like I can't do anything to quote that powerlifting thought. I'm at the bottom of my squat and I'm thinking, how can I get this up? You know, instead you have a perception of, yes, this hurts. Yes, this is uncomfortable, but like I still feel in control of my body in the situation. If you have those things, you're more likely to be able to make that choice to increase your effort and intensity. And I think the wonderful thing about this is often when we think about performance, we think of it as like, oh, there's like a magic flow state. And if we're in there at that, we're going to perform well. And then there's this other state where we're going to choke or underperform. No, your brain and body have a variety of ways to perform. You can get to good performance in a number of different spots. And I think you just have to be prepared to use different tools to get there. So let me give a quick example. If I, for whatever reason, get in a flow state, then I don't want to be thinking or, or, or deliberately thinking, okay, increase my effort here and blah, blah, blah. I just want to ride the wave. But if I'm in a state where I could go towards choking or clutch, then I want to think a little bit and be like, I am in control. Like, I can still do this. Get to the next spot. Like, I need to catch one person before the next, you know, turn or mile marker or whatever have you. If you can do those things, you're going to be in a better spot. So it's, 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 there's nuance here that often isn't talked about in the performance world. What do we do when we're choking? How do we get ourselves out of choking? 
So like if we're choking and we start to spiral and we realize like this is going terribly, <laughs> so what can we do to try to work our way out of that? Yeah, it, it, I get this all the time. It depends if this is like a cute thing or, you know, if you have more time. Um, the first thing you need to do is figure out ways to turn down the alarm. So as I said, choking is a threat disorder. So your brain starts sounding the alarm being like existential threat, existential threat, protect, protect. So you need to do things to turn down the alarm. So this is where, you know, Brad, we talk about um, not using or not over relying on what I'd call physiological tricks. This is where physiological tricks can come in handy. So if you're on the sideline and you're a field goal kicker and you've been, you missed one and you feel like you're choking before you run out and take your next kick, like dunk your head in freezing cold water. Why? Because you do have, you dunk your head in cold water, you have what's called the diving reflex, which decreases your heart rate, makes you feel a little bit calmer. You're turning that alarm down, right? There's other things that you can do, such as changing perspective, or as our you know, good friend and former elite athlete, Phoebe Wright, once told us before Olympic trials, is remember that, it's just track and field. No one gives a shit about it anyway, right? You're doing things to turn that alarm down. Other things that are really important when you're in this moment are, you know, giving yourself a, a sense of security too. So the more you can get feedback from teammates or feeling like you belong with teammates, like you're going to turn that alarm down and turn the threat down as well. We know that oxytocin, for example tends to counteract cortisol. One of the best ways to increase oxytocin in the moment, like, you know, give someone a hug, like connect with them, give them a high five. And then the last thing I'd say as well is in those acute phases, let's say you're feel like you, you know, you're in that pin the tail on the, on the donkey moment where you feel like your actions and perceptions don't align. I call it like disrupting the rut or doing crazy things. Like often what happens when we choke is we get stuck in like this, we'll call it the rut of competence. Like we just get stuck, right? We can't, this is the way our brain remembers how to do it. So we're getting stuck in that. You got to just dislodge that. So that means like sometimes feeling like you're doing something wrong or, you know, uh, uh, practicing kicking with your left foot instead of your right foot so that you like you snap your kind of movement patterns out and your brain goes oh yeah like i should pay attention to things um like let's come back online and not just go down this rut yeah it's fascinating that you mentioned that um there's some research on skill acquisition that shows that when you're trying to make subtle shifts to movements, oftentimes you have to do them like egregiously wrong to be able to make that shift, even if you're not choking. So like a golf stroke or a swim stroke or a basketball jump shot, if you're trying to make big changes, your body can figure it out because it feels so different. But if you're just trying to make like the littlest change from what you do now to something different, your brain often like won't let you. And one of the best ways to make those changes is to do what's called like either underperforming or overcorrecting. So you make the change so much more than you need to, so you can feel it. And then you ease back into the state that you want, 
or you release from your good enough jump shot and you take some terrible jump shots. And then when you come back to trying to shoot well, you do it the new way to feel the difference. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. And that seems like basically the same mechanism. You know, the way I like to think of it is um, whether you're choking or not in this thing is like we get really good at stuff. And part of becoming an expert is our brain tunes out things that it doesn't think it needs to pay attention to. Right. So if you're used to running a certain way, you're not, you don't know how your foot hits the ground or what your legs feel like because you've been doing it forever. You know, the simplest example is if I ask you to pick up and write with your dominant hand, let's say for me, my right hand, I'm not thinking of the movements. If I pick up a pen and write with my left hand, I feel every single part of that movement, right? Because my brain isn't blocking feedback out. So that overcorrecting, what that does is it just kind of tunes in your brain and say, hey, hey, pay attention. There's feedback here. We can we need to hear it. And it's the same thing in choking when you're when you have that kind of perception and action not aligning, it's often because your brain shut everything down because it's like, forget it, I'm not paying attention to anything. I'm overwhelmed. One of the ways to get it back online is to say, hey, do something a little bit crazy and different. And your brain goes, Oh yeah, I should pay attention to like this feedback coming from my muscle on how it's utilizing or moving or what have you. So I think it's, it's a wonderful kind of cheat sheet to, uh, to improving on just about anything is like, sometimes you got to go too far or in the other direction. All right. Well, we've covered a lot in just over 20 minutes here. So I'm going to do my best to summarize. We don't want to choke. Choking is not good. The best thing that we can do is prevent it from happening. And what gives us a good chance is don't personalize things that don't have to be personalized and don't make things more public than they need to be. Why? Because when things are personal and public, when they're attached to our identity and we feel like other people are watching, it often puts us in a state of distress. Some people can really peak well in those states, but most of us, most of the time, that is what leads to choking. It's just what the research shows. Another big important takeaway here is we often think that there are these two performance states. You're either choking or you're in flow where everything's clicking. But like Steve said, we can also be clutch, where it does require deliberate focus and effortful thinking. And we are aware of our performance, and it can even feel like a grit and a grind. But that's okay. That's why we train, to be able to show up in those tough circumstances and execute. And it might not even feel good, but we can still get it done. When we spiral into choking, negative thoughts, rumination, pin the horse on the donkey, mind-body disconnection. Well, some of the best things that we can do are some of these quote-unquote hacks that we so often talk down on. Well, a lot of them are actually really effective here because we want to jolt our nervous system out of this dysfunctional perceptive state to something better. How can we do that? We can exaggerate errors. We can do something crazy. We can dunk our head in cold water if that's accessible to us, but we can really just try to snap out of it And we can say, hey, this isn't a story about myself that I'm failing or I'm forever going to choke. My brain is literally just walking down the wrong road and I need to kind of kick it back onto the right one. Spot on. So if you want to support our work, if you don't like choking and you got something informed, check out our latest books, Do Hard Things, The Practice of Groundedness, and check out our Patreon. We really thank you for listening. If you enjoyed it, review the podcast or our books. And, you know, perhaps... 
If you're a listener and you know someone who's struggling with underperformance in sport or in life, send them their send them this podcast. Help others out. That's what we're trying to do in creating this community. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.